0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Richie, you had a cold open in mind, I hadn't I? Well, I had
1: uh, on brand cold open. Considering we're talking about machine learning, I thought we would let the machines do the work for us for this cold open. If
2: we if we were into this now, can I just point out that people already hmm. find it difficult enough to distinguish fella in his 30s, Irish guy, from other fella in his 30s, yep. Irish guy. And now don't we're straight and white. Straight and white. <laughs> Good thing I'm Swedish. Universe. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Swedish, right? Uh, you kind of yeah. said like the, the Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> One
1: AI. Famous uh,
0: Swede, uh, uh. the Count.
2: <laughs> but
1: anyway... Oh, yeah, so there's three of us now, but... <laughs> we're I not know.
0: identifying
2: who's who.
1: No. Uh... I'm about to introduce a fourth because I went online and I found an app that uses machine learning. Once you input a certain data set, personality-driven data set, will I figured it would generate a cold open for us based around Jared that would serve as an introduction to our listeners. I guess a reintroduction to our listeners because this isn't the first time Jared's been on the show. But I figured we just let the machines do it. Um, so I have the app here. Um, and Jer, if I could just f- get a data set from you um if you could just answer yeah, a few sure. questions,
0: yeah, yeah, of course of
1: course uh, so um, just pretty straightforward stuff, um, your biggest fear
0: um I think it might be this moment, but okay. come on,
1: <laughs> uh, let's see, um uh, just a brief description of your ideal Sunday um.
0: Fuck, it's hard to do these things on the spot, Richie. Uh, games? Games with the boys. Games with the boys? Destiny okay, with cool. the lads. Uh, and I, I just... thought for
2: a second that you guys had pre-coordinated this, but very clearly you have no, not. No, no
1: absolutely not. I've... <laughs> this, is, this is in the moment, real. Uh, and then uh, lastly, what's your favorite first generation Pokemon? Uh, we're going to have to go with the Squirtle. Squirtle, okay, let me just stick all those in. And now the app is going to generate our own cold open. Okay.
3: Jerkani secretly loves Larry Mullen from U2 and wants to marry him and open a vegan brunch restaurant in Galway. That's not profitable, but that's okay. It's not about the money, you know, it's just about living a happy, sustainable life together. That is. Until one night while cuddling on the couch, Larry sees that Cadbury's ad with the drumming gorilla and he remembers how much he loves to drum with his best friend Bonobo. and The Egginger decides it's better to let him go and follow his dreams. Because that's the kind of guy he is, so he sold his brunch place and bought a Windows 98 computer and learned to code AIs and stuff. And whoa, Twist, he's the one who made this app to tell his story and let Larry Mullen know he still loves him.
2: I mean, that's pretty much how Jared got to (laughs) know. Technology
0: has gone too far. (laughs) Too far. Jared, do you have something to say to Larry? Just play the fucking theme song. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> I love it. There's no punctuation in it.
1: No, there's no punctuation in it. And also, we don't need I don't you
2: know- punctuation in the future, lads. No, that, no it just, it just saves, not.
1: it saves time if we could have punctu- punctuation. It. I don't know if you noticed, but it said, um, uh, he missed playing drums with his best friend Bonobo and the egg but uh,
0: <laughs> I didn't catch Bonobo yeah, yeah
1: Bonobo and the egg but anyway I don't know Jerry. was that a good enough introduction
0: I, yeah that was pretty fucking solid I wrote
1: right, about five different introductions that was the least uh, inflammatory antagonistic <laughs> introduction we could do nice I, yeah I know you have my approval that's grand lovely stuff Jared you've been a a long term uh, listener co-collaborator previous guest of the show. Do you want to... Yeah. There's a part here where we usually just like briefly summarize what the show is. Aside from us, you're probably the most acquainted with the show. Do you want to just... I what know. is what um, I'm? Yeah, what is what I'm?
0: What I'm what I'm. What I'm. Um, actually, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I I, I don't want to run directly from one AI generated thing <laughs> into another, but... I feel yep. like it has been beautifully summarized by a script that I had an AI generate, a legitimate script that I had a legitimate AI generate instead of your nonsense. What do you Hold on. What do what you say? Uh, do you mind if I send this to you and we could do like a little bit of a play here? Uh, yeah. I, I've highlighted your lines in it. Uh, and I feel like it's a good summary of what AM what is like. Okay, Does that work so. For you? Yeah, yeah okay. you are
1: going to send us a script generated by an AI and we're going to read it.
0: Uh, yeah, so I'll I'll do the narration. You just say the, the bits that are, are highlighted in colour, okay? Um, Sounds good. Because, yeah, it'll be like a nice interactive audiobook. Uh, so right. this is generated 10 minutes before the recording. Um, okay, don't read too far ahead. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, so the prompt that I gave this thing, this okay. is using Dungeon AI, which is powered by a thing called GPT-2, which we're going to get to in a little bit. So the prompt that I put in is, you are Jerr a machine learning enthusiast who is appearing on your friend's podcast, What Am Politics? The podcast has two hosts, Richie, a well-intentioned but politically inept nerd, and Steve, a politics expert and Teddy Roosevelt fanboy. And then I just put in one line of dialogue for Richie, and the rest here has been generated by this bot. So do you want to take it away? All the lines in red are Richie. Uh, I'll read in black and green, and then Steve Blue is you. That work for you? Yeah. Sure. All right, go for it. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> I saw the cutest puppy ever yesterday. Richie says excitedly. He's so cute, I just want to hold him. Steve looks at him with an expression that seems like it could be one of annoyance or disgust. <laughs> Jer walks in from the hallway holding a small dog by his leash and wearing a shirt that reads Puppy Love. He sits down next to Steve. What's up lads, "I'm ready to talk about robots now? He says excitedly. Well, we're recording right now, Steve says. We've got some stuff to get through first. Jared is taking out a large black backpack. He opens it, revealing various microphones, speakers, cables, batteries, and other electrical devices. Do you think in the future robots will be podcasting?
1: Or will they
2: just be doing everything other than podcasting? Yeah, I think they'll be doing everything. (laughs) Like what? Well, I think robots will be our government officials, friends, lovers, (laughs) employees, in that order. Robots can't have children, you know. At least not with each other. And
0: they sure as heck can't have children with humans. Well, not yet, but we're getting there and then who knows, Jer asks. (laughs) Go on, Richie. I'd like a robot child. Richie says, glancing off into the distance, a robotic dog would be pretty cool too. I wonder what the best robot animal would be. Oh, I hate the way that this has got
2: me as such a know-it-all dick I've been seen. Actually, <laughs> we've already made something similar to both of those. The only difference is we won't be able to mass-produce them or their parts anytime soon.
0: That's a shame. Jared says, looking down at his feet, I really want a robotic dog. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> okay,
2: so...
1: So, what line did you feed this this AI
0: to make it generate all of this? Uh, and so how did uh, it nail our mannerism so I <laughs> So I put in, so I, I gave it the initial prompt. So it understands what a Richie is and what a Steve is. And I guess it picked up that you are well-intentioned, but politically inept. So sort of made you a bit of a cutie. <laughs> uh, and then Steve, I don't know what it is about being a, a political expert and, and, and Teddy Roosevelt fanboy. That gave you this know-it-all attitude. I did not, I, I swear, I did not like enforce any of this. This is just what I came up with.
2: That stings more, Jer. I know.
0: I'm sorry. So yeah, literally all I put in was that first line, which is, I saw the cutest puppy yesterday, Richie says excitedly, and then it, it spit out the rest. Every now and then it would pause and I I'd, I'd just like put in something fairly innocuous and then kind of edit it out afterwards. But everything else here is, is generated by the bot. That's incredible. Fucking robots, yeah. man. It's fucking scary, isn't it? It really um, is. And we'll get to that more of that
1: later on. This is giving me an idea, Steve. Maybe we do one of our uh, Headstuff Plus bonus episodes. will just be an entirely AI-generated episode that we read through and we just see how, how crazy we can get with it.
2: I mean, yeah, after seeing this, like it's probably going to make more sense than a regular episode of what am. But just <laughs> to briefly right. explain what Headstuff Plus is, we don't have a paid ad now, so no one mm-hmm. else is paying us to do this. It's up to you, dear listener. Mm-hmm. To throw a couple of bucks our way. Yeah, and you'll you'll get something for it, because
1: this is a capitalist society. Um and you know, money gets you know goods and services. So we've got bonus episodes up there that range from silly and bizarre to somewhat informative.
2: You can go to Head Stuff Plus, the link is in the show notes. It costs <laughs> Did <you say> show <laughs> nuts. This is what happens when you start drinking at four PM. We need the
1: robots. If they you like truck better.
0: nuts, you'll love show nuts. <laughs>
2: oh
1: from you can, now on
0: that's what we're going to call show notes like they're down in the show notes, <laughs> show, notes. show notes they're dangling below in the show notes <laughs>
1: brilliant amazing
2: you can go um, it
0: costs 5 euro plus fat
2: um, if you are signing up only for what am you just have to click our box when you're signing up but if you want to give a f- split the money between other head stuff podcasts you are welcome to do so but just to specify that if you're only signing up for what am just click us because then we get all the money and we like money uh, Jer, back to you now Hi yeah, We we have this episode,
1: this episode could be labeled as Jared's Revenge, because this isn't your first time on the podcast.
0: The, one of the first times you guys had me on was to talk, uh, f- was bringing me on to talk about Brexit before I even knew what a Tory was. Yeah. I was very that was unprepared. F- it re- was
1: like four years ago.
2: If I remember specifically, it was one of our first episodes, and I think, and I'm mm. going to blame you for this, Richie, but you had the idea of having, instead of a guest expert, a guest idiot. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. And we talked about If you go back and listen to episode eight, I think it was. Yeah. We had this idea early on that because we brought in guest experts that would kind of like supplement your job or surrogate for like your role where we would, you know, they would teach instead of you teaching me. I said, oh, why don't we just do the same for me? we bring in a surrogate quote unquote idiot. And I thought, Jared would be the first, not because he's an idiot, but because the banter was good. But the damage was done after I asked him if he wanted to be on it. But now it turns out it's a good story because four years later you
0: are here in the capacity of a guest expert. So that's right. I've doubled my experience as a podcaster since then. All right, whatever about bringing on like an Egypt who doesn't know a lot about a particular topic. Also, bring it on someone who just like never podcasts either. <laughs> so you're just sort of like asking for a fucking train wreck. But sure, listen, we got past it. It yeah. was grand. Started from the bottom. Now
1: we hear your life is like a Drake song. Chair, welcome to the mm. show again. Mm. Wait, I think I want to.
2: Wow. That, oh. He's doing this. Is that a Drake dance? Um, I don't, okay. <laughs> so, chair, apart from being our friend, which is obviously the most important aspect of you being here. Who, mm-hmm. who, what else are you and who the fuck are you? Why should we care?
0: Uh, I'm Jer. I'm your friend, which is enough of a reason to care. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird to be put on the spot otherwise, but sure. Listen, I did the same college course as Richie. We both mm-hmm. did multimedia in Dublin. Uh, Richie specialized in audio and look where he is now. Uh, <laughs> I specialized in video, and I don't know which of us is further removed from what our, I know, our right? expertise was. You're a fucking graphic designer, and I'm a coder. At the moment, the thing that probably makes me most makes this topic most relevant to me is that I'm working for a company that uses AI to make like really realistic text to speech stuff for games. Uh, so yeah, that's like bringing in actors and recording them speaking, and then taking that and making a new model of their voice that can be used in like game audio and stuff like that, and then they get paid a royalty for. But yeah. Oh, that's. I, th- I think you're
1: kind of underselling it a little bit because you know, you know, text to voice bullshit like what I did at the start there and that stupid goof is one thing, but what you guys are doing is modeling a whole potential world of of phonemes and vocabulary around a singular voice artist, and then using that as a tool to generate anything at all, like any. Any story, yeah. any narrative, whatever, through it, that voice. It's, it's
0: weird to make a robot cry. That's like a weird, uncomfortable thing that we fucking had a crack at. <laughs> but also, like, I know that I am talking about machine learning uh, and I um, my job at, at this place is not doing machine learning. I'm just like an, an ordinary old school developer, uh, but there's people who have like PhDs in machine learning who just way more entitled to be on the show than I am right now. So I'm sort of just like, let's, let's just pretend like I don't work with the bots because I don't really know what I'm doing with those. Yeah, but Jared,
1: I never shared a bed with those PhD experts when they stayed over in college and needed a place to crash. So you're not wrong. Here we are. Look Look how far we've come. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, so you talked about uh, machine learning there. Let's start off, I guess, by talking about just like getting the definitions down. Sure. So when we're saying machine learning, is how is that different from something like AI or automation or other terms that are kind of bandied about in the same vein?
0: So artificial intelligence is the thing that encapsulates uh, everything else that we're going to be talking about today. So it's like the name of the entire discipline. Uh, and inside of that, you've got machine learning, which is a particular technique. So artificial intelligence is essentially the whole discipline of... Uh, teaching a computer to perform tasks that are normally associated with human intelligence. Right. Um, and then inside of that, you have machine learning, which is kind of the whole process of having a computer autonomously teach itself to get better at a given task. Um, but which, yeah, is is extremely powerful. And like that that alone just enables so many new things that we never thought were possible. Right, it's not just us telling it th- uh, like a computer to do
1: do A exactly. It's like okay, do A to learn B, so you can C D E F the whole way.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, uh, there's this this whole thing. You uh, uh, get the exact thing. Uh, this whole thing called Polanyi's Paradox, which is this idea that like we know more than we can tell as people. There's like a whole bunch of things that we as people are capable of doing. But it's extremely difficult to put them in words, never mind encoding. Like even if you just think about it, like your hand, like picking up something to actually describe exact. Okay. All right, Richie. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were jacking it. No, you're fine. You're just doing, doing armpit farts. That's good too. Why are you doing that's armpit farts? Because I could do stuff that I can't. I'm just illustrating his point succinctly. God. Yeah. But that's it. It's like, if you think about driving a car, um, you're able to put like a normal person through driving tests and driving school and they'll be able to do an okay job of driving a car. But you don't have to explain what you have to do in every single scenario on the road and every possible permutation of, of whatever. Like we, we're just capable of automating all this stuff away and just sort of yeah. interpolating what needs to be done. Uh, so that's the big difference between the old school way of coding where you had to explicitly spell out every step and what to do, basically a bunch of if then statements mm-hmm. uh, and what we have now, which is like you could kind of just put them in the, the general direction and they'll figure it out for themselves. The yeah. machines will learn. As the machines were. will fucking learn, Richie. <laughs> oh God. They need to be stopped.
1: Ooh. And so are there political consequences for the different names for broadly the same things?
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you almost see this more in marketing that everybody is jumping to use the term like artificial intelligence and, and deep learning and all these sort of things almost as um, a way to just add more grandeur to what they're, they're doing. But yeah, like, I don't know, which, which of these terms sounds scarier to you? Automation. Is artificial intelligence? Oh, automation. Okay. I mean, yeah, well, automa-
1: uh, automation, when you know like what the implications for that are, machine learning, the idea of the machines learning, that's also kind of scary. Yeah.
0: Just on its own. Like, automation doesn't even have necessarily anything to do with computers. It's kind of just like taking a task and, and making it run autonomously. Uh, so we've had automation for hundreds and hundreds of years, but yeah, it's this, this whole thing of machine learning and... It, Artificial intelligence—the idea of taking something that we always thought was so human, and automating in a way like g- passing that that thing that we always thought was like—I th- mean, if you look at Homo sapiens, like it, its definition of what we are is based on our intelligence. Yeah, um, and then just handing that off to a machine is like, yeah, it's, and our thumbs. Yeah. Oh, you got you got some pretty cute thumbs, Steve. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so he's always bragging about his posable thumbs. He can scroll for days on those puppies. I
2: think the reason I think automation is scarier because yeah, whatever machine learning, that's potentially dangerous, I suppose, Matrix, Terminator, et cetera. But automation to me and the idea that we're up for huge, massive societal changes when jobs are taken away. And then if we're yeah. talking about moving that into the scope of replacing the jobs we thought were safe from the robots, so it's not just car machine making things. It's going to be robo-lawyers, robo-doctors, robo-accountants, fucking robo-sound engineers, robo-everything. Well then- Robo-podcasters? Oh yeah, we've already proven that's better. So (laughs) what's at the end of it? And I guess we'll get to that through this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's-
2: So- that's. Big question. You've told us in the notes that there are three main types, because be- I have no fucking clue about any of this shit apart from sure, sure, like the sure. general idea that we're in danger. That's all I know.
0: Um, what's, <laughs> it's a good place to start. What
2: are the three main types of machine learning and what are they used for?
0: Yeah. So uh, it can kind of be divided up into three main things. As you say, you have supervised learning, Supervised learning. <laughs> sure. You have supervised learning, unsupervised learning and reinforcement learning. So to give like examples of each of those, supervised learning... If you think about it, like the spam filter in your email, which is essentially like, here's a hundred thousand emails. Some of them are spam. Some of them aren't. You provide the labeled data to the machine and it learns how to classify those two things. So you're, you're supervising, you're, you're giving it all this labeled data and it's learning how to make its own decisions based on, on previous data that it's been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Then when you have unsupervised learning, this is more analytical. This is like giving it a bunch of data and asking it to find patterns itself. So this is what you see in like Netflix recommendations where it doesn't explicitly say like, oh, if you like this dog, but uh, yeah. it doesn't explicitly say, if you like this show about a dog, you'll love this show about a dog. And mm-hmm. um, you just look at people like Richie and his behavior and it can figure that out automatically. Just anything with a dog. Just give it to yeah. him. Precisely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a lot about just taking in a huge amount of unlabeled data and figuring out patterns and reoccurring things. And this is kind of very... This is something that we would have thought was like very uniquely human, the idea of being able to extrapolate new ideas and new patterns from unlabeled data. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like a very creative thing. Uh, this is why actually like Power's deepfakes and stuff like that, that usually falls into this, this category. Uh, and then you have reinforcement learning, which I love reinforcement learning. Reinforcement learning is the closest thing to like training a puppy because um, it's like you is essentially incentivize it with rewards when it does the right thing. And what then reward it'll just you, learn. What reward can you um, give a script? A robo
2: snack.
1: You
0: can kind of <laughs> Yeah, so there's a whole series of robo snacks. Um, so the idea being that basically you, you program an AI that all it wants to do is make a number go up. That's that's kind of its main goal. And then you put it into Pac-Man and it can look at all the pixels on the screen and you tell it like, oh, you have access to these four buttons up down, left, and right. And Every time it eats one of those little dots, its score goes up and it learns, oh, okay, that's a good thing. I should be doing that. And any time that it hits a ghost, the score stops going up and it's like, oh shit, okay, I need to avoid that. And as a result of this, just this system of rewards and punishments, so the, you're able to teach machines to do really complex things. But you specify what the rewards and punishments are from the outset. Uh, uh-huh. Not Well, yeah, in, in the case of uh, AIs that, that play old Atari games and stuff like that, all you really do is just say like, hey this thing here is your score. You want your score to go up. And that's it. You're not really telling it anything else. You're but not giving it any Even more if we're talking strategic. about
2: an incredibly complex thing that's looking at the data of billions of humans, it's still going to take a human to go, this is what I, this is what
0: I tell you is a good thing. This is yes. what I tell yeah. you is a negative thing. That's right. And that's where you get into a lot of bias and stuff like that. Okay. It's There's a lot of, power in choosing what should be rewarded but yeah the main examples that we see of of this today that are really well known are ais that can play games so alpha go is reinforcement learning it just played millions and millions and millions of games against itself until it got really good at the board game go <laughs> so uh, sad yeah
2: or the famous the chess one i was i was watching a few videos with like it's ancient now back in the 90s isn't it a, a-, a- ibm yeah.
0: deep blue Deep blue. Yeah, yeah that's right. I peak <laughs> Gary Kasparov. That's the one. So that was w- that was built using normal code rather than machine learning. So that was just oh. a, a very complex set of instructions and a very fast processor for the time that could just churn through uh like a hundred moves ahead of time and be like, oh okay, this this is the best move long term. Uh as opposed to AlphaGo, where it, like the um I actually looked up the stats of of the number of moves in chess compared to AlphaGo uh in chess. There are more potential moves at any point than there are atoms in the universe, uh, which is like a very well-known thing that gets thrown around. Mm. In AlphaGo, there, if you took every atom in our universe and replaced it with another universe, it has more potential moves than that. Wait,
1: what, sorry, what is off of Go?
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Go is this this old uh, Chinese board game that involves uh, put, putting, I don't know, I've never they're played like, it. Actually. They're like little, black, they
2: little <laughs> black and white markers and you're trying to encircle the other person's board. I think you have yeah. a thousand places you can put it on the board. Um, yeah. I, d- I don't know. Ba- like yeah, a, a sim- I can look this Yeah, but. It's like, it's, it's a sim. it's, it's, it's. it's a version of Chinese checkers that's really complex and right incredibly hard to master. And I, I remember hearing about it, that it was like one of the last hurdles for AI to conquer. And right. then, as Jerry's referencing, they conquered. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's just the thing about it is that there's so many potential moves and it grows so exponentially that there's no way that you could just train a bot to crunch the numbers in time. Like the people who are really good at Go can't really tell you why a particular mood, move is good. It just feels good to the player. Like it's just like, yeah, this seems like the right move. There's not like a preset book of tips that you can read on how to get good at Alpha or how to get good at Go. So you, um, the, if we were to look at the
1: old school way that say that Deep Blue um, was built where you just say it's it's a very detailed old code. It's not learning. It's not, it's not bettering itself in any way. You mm-hmm. couldn't do that for something like...
0: No, go. The, the problem is too complex. It's the the same kind of thing that you see with cracking passwords where like yeah. okay, if you have a 6-digit password that's all letters, you can crack it fairly easily. If you have a 25-digit thing with numbers and symbols and upper case characters, it's too many instances. It just takes yeah, it takes thousands of years to crack it under. A but if this AI could
1: be thought thought to like learn as it goes, mm-hmm. then it can get to a point where it can it can learn this game and beat someone good yeah at it.
0: and that the weird thing about it is and the weird thing about a lot of this when you get into neural networks and stuff like that is that it's a black box that you don't really know what is making the ai make the choices it it is it's hidden from you you just put in the input and get the output it, uh, so it's not like we can crack it open and look at it and be like oh that's why it thought this was a good move it's like no it it just gives you a confidence rating for how how confident the bot is that it is a good move
2: okay i need to break that one down a bit how come we can't crack open the code and tell us because like isn't this all happening on a circuit board with logs and all these other normal computer things like what makes it what makes this ai black box neural network so different to regular computer programming that we just can't open it
0: it's that it's kind of just abstracted away from what people would understand. Basically, everything is just being expressed usually as normalized values between zero and one. Sure. And it's just computing thousands of them and making it's using what's called weights and biases to make its own network of how to take in a bunch of these numbers and how to output a decision. But if you if you look in the inside, you're like, okay, well, it decided that this point is like four percent more important than this point. That times hundreds of thousands of decisions that it's made so it's just too so you look at it you, you, yeah it's just too, it's complex. too complex it's just okay. like it It looks like chaos yeah. on so the inside. it's the it equivalent, equivalent
2: of trying to get an elect- electromagnetic reading of a human's brain and trying to figure out why they decided they you know wanted to walk over there or whatever
0: yeah just exactly and yeah yeah okay that's for now we can't do it yeah. spell gam i can't remember why i put that there <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I really like GANs. GANs are fucking cool. What's a GAN? Um, it's it's a generative adversarial network. Ooh, it's it's a kind of a combination of two of the the techniques that we mentioned above put together, and that's capable of doing really amazing things and usually really creative things. Um, so I think one of the easiest ways to describe this is: okay, you want to make a bot that can draw uh pictures of cats. I keep saying dogs, so let's go with cats. It wants to draw kittens. So what you do is you get a bot. And you say, all right, but I need you to draw a kitten and it will just generate some random noise. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like just just complete, there's no structure to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as a person, you can look at that and be like, that doesn't look like a cat at all. Try again. And it could try again. You could look at it and be like, I guess that looks a little bit more like a cat. And you can kind of keep iterating on it, but obviously like it, there's so many parameters that it will take a really long time mm-hmm. for it to come up with that decision. So what if we take that that human part of looking at, the drawing that it's produced and deciding whether it looks like a cat or not. Take that and give that to a different bot. So then you have a bot that you've given loads of pictures of cats and loads of pictures of things that aren't cats. And it's learned to basically like, you hold up a picture and it's like, nah, that's not a cat, man. Doesn't look like a fucking cat at all. Um. And then you basically tie these two things together. So you have one bot is furiously drawing a cat and then he shows it and the other one's like, nah mate, doesn't look like one. It's <laughs> like, all right, let me try again. And then eventually it will show it to them. The other, it will be so close that the other one, will go, yeah, that does look, look like a cat actually. Yeah, that is a cat. And at that point you tell that second bot like, I actually fucking tricked you. That isn't a cat at all. Uh, and then it's like, oh, right. Okay. I'll learn that that isn't a cat from now on. And both of these bots hone in on their task one of drawing cats and one of recognising cats and they both train each other until you're able to just produce like really incredibly photorealistic things that the machine can't tell apart from the real thing is you it know, sounds like a toxic relationship <laughs> yeah it's not great is it when we
2: when our new password check things is it reCAPTCHA is that what it's called well, yes now we have to
0: identify pictures of things are we training AI when we're doing that yeah you fucking are Steve your AI is bitch oh no That's great <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you're, what you're doing there is labeling datasets. So it has millions of pictures of roads and it's asking you to click on the traffic lights or whatever. So what you're teaching, uh, a computer, you're teaching that, that second bot in, in the GAN chain. Hey, in this image, this thing right here is a traffic light. Do you know um, who specifically I'm giving my fucking labor to for free
2: in this instance?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually, I'm not too sure. I think a, a good chunk of it is powered by Google. I know Google's book projects where they wanted to, um, to essentially scan and log every book. Sure. Uh, that was why earlier captures used to be just like weird distorted words and every, like you'd have four that just look really kind of wiggly and weird. And then one that kind of just looked pretty easy to read. And all all you were doing there is helping the, the um, the machine to read scans of old textbooks. It's interesting how the, at
1: the time when Google, that's the thing they wanted to do from a business perspective. And now they want self-driving they cars. Just, and now they want self-driving cars that need to yeah. be able to, to recognize you know, zebra crossings and traffic lights and what's a bus and what's a car. Now that's we it. are, again, because these products are free, we are in fact the products so we are the ones. But like, yeah. it's is different
2: from do, it re- reading my fucking likes and network Netflix, Netflix watches. I'm actually having to do things to tell it.
0: So it's, I'm, I'm it. doing it's active like, labor for them. Uh, yeah, that's it. But that's the thing. It, like, there is the important task of figuring out whether this is an automated person who's going through this thing or not, uh, which is an important service to like prevent scalpers or prevent bots from autom. You know, there's like a lot of reasons why you want to make sure that it's not an automated system that's sure. filling out a form or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, you you may see sometimes now that there's just a checkbox that says "Am I a robot?" And you, sorry, am I a robot and you click it no that's not correct right. I'm not a robot and <laughs> you. you click it so what What that's doing is just watching your behavior on the page it's watching like how you move the mouse and how long it takes you to click on the thing and it's just determining based on that like oh this isn't a pre-programmed thing this yeah. is a real person like half a microsecond yeah. after the page loads and it gets clicked yeah we,
2: we google knows that Steve's it not that fast he's a demo because I'm slow okay. eh it's
0: kind of <laughs> sauce lad be careful yeah.
1: So we've um, mentioned a few like AlphaGo and Deep Blue and, and, and even just the CAPTCHA stuff. Are there any other like good recent examples, like novel examples of machine learning that yeah, know, our listeners so might like to hear about?
0: The The script that uh, we read at the start of this, the one that was made in GPT-2. Um, so that is the Generative pre trained Transformer. Uh, yeah, never mind what the name of it is, but GPT-2 uh, is essentially something that you made it read a whole bunch of content on the internet until it started to understand the relationships between words (laughs) and language and then facts. When you said that, I was like,
2: until it voted for Trump, and wouldn't wear a mask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Continue. uh, But yeah, so that that was using 1.5 billion pieces of data that was just like pulled from open resources and the internet or whatever, like chances are that Harry Potter fanfic that you wrote in school, Richie, is in there (sighs) somewhere. The Chamber of Dirty Little Secrets. Mm -hmm, You know Mm it.
2: Um, The
0: Sex
1: Prisoner
2: of (laughs) (laughs) Haskell. Harry Potter and the Goblet of You Know.
1: (laughs) Order of the Phoenix, dot, 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 parentheses, the Phoenix is my dick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all that good stuff. All that That's, that's all been consumed by this bot and this bot Mm -hmm. now knows how to write just the nastiest fanfic you've ever seen. It's incredible. Oh my God. Um, So that was GPT2 and the creators of that at the time were like, oh, we can't actually release this to the public because it's too powerful. Like you can use this to generate entire news sites of complete bullshit news. You can like, it's in so many cases, it just reads as if it's been written by a real person and it like stays on the topic. It's like, yeah, I've seen on Twitter, like people who have written research papers where they just take the first line of their paper and put it into it Mm. and it generates like paragraphs of stuff that they completely agree with. And like, yeah, that is all totally accurate information. So Um, how
1: did it get out there then? If you're saying
0: it was too dangerous to release, you just used it. It was, I believe it was, no, uh, GPT-3 was bought by Microsoft. Uh, They released a, the, the actual model itself, I believe, so yeah, they released the techniques that they used and a very small version of it that wasn't using the 1.5 billion lines. It was using a smaller data set, which made it a bit less good. Um, but then they released the next version of it, GPT-3, which doesn't use 1.5 billion. It uses 175 billion pieces of data. Um, they have they've early access to to certain companies if they have like an important use for it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I haven't actually seen too much of it, uh, but by all accounts, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, there's like a, a really popular YouTuber called um, Tom Scott, who does yeah. a whole bunch of educated, uh, educational stuff. One of his last videos that he put out, he just fed all of his old YouTube titles into this bot and asked it to come up with new video ideas for him. And they're really fucking good. It does an incredibly good job. And not only that, it like picks weird niche, factual stories from the real world because it's read all of the news websites and whatever. Like it picks weird subjects that match his style. Uh, mm-hmm. and recommends them it's like it's so fucking impressive and
1: he has limited
0: He has. he's one of these people that has access to this yes, he, got he got early access, access. to GPT-3 for, for the purpose of this and there's like there's a lot of nonsense in there as well but I mean this is also like it's such early days this technology isn't gonna stop getting better anytime soon
2: mm. um, so we're fucked you know all of us journalists report writers academics sounds like we're all fucked so like that's my general approach to this thing but you, you're like oh no hang on there Steve this has happened before and you want, to, yeah. you want to, Tell us about how this has happened before.
0: Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I don't want to go on too long about this because it's kind of you. Kind of just have to give an entire history of all the industrial revolutions that we've had to date. But I'll give you the okay. the speed run. You have out twenty of it. seconds. Does that work? Fuck no. I hate <laughs> this. Um, A robot. Okay, do it. let me let me switch over to my other note stock, which is just industrial revolution shit. You your other <laughs> nuts. Your other nuts stock. Yeah. My God. dangling show nuts. Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. robot well, I
2: couldn't do that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you mean craft the perfect joke? Fuck. So yeah, like even back, like before the first industrial revolution, there's all these cases of like Roman emperors who were saying, oh, you can't use technology to move columns because it's going to put my workers out of out of work. Mm. And and that sentiment kind of, it carried all the way through until today. Like every time that there's been steps in automation, there'd been people who are pushing back against it. You had the first industrial revolution where- uh, all of a sudden, all these people who had jobs in in the country and in agriculture, they were all now being forced to to come and, and work that was in these like really looms and shit. Then, It was, the, was like looms. Yes, exactly. Yes, this is a mostly like textile mm. industries and stuff like that at the time. Uh, so, centered in Britain, all these people are now all of a sudden being shoveled into these factories to do this this really tedious work on these machines, and there wasn't enough work to go around. So, this is like a forty year period where. Loads of people have either really shit wages or just have no work at all. There's like huge amounts of children working in factories. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty fucking rough Which is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so children are the robots of the past and we should fear them. (laughs) And Um, potentially the robots of the future. More on that later. (laughs) Like Richie, you're you're a fucking graphic designer. What would you do if you came into work tomorrow and there was a four-year-old who was really good at Photoshop? Another one? I make (laughs) movie posters feel good. (laughs) Like, how did you become my boss, Timmy? I hate Uh, this company. Shut up. (laughs) The worst thing is, he knows every Fortnite dance. (laughs) How do I compete? I can't do that. He's so employable. He's danced his way up the corporate ladder. (laughs) But yeah, so then, yeah, it it goes through a period where there's fuck all work for people to do. Then it gets a little bit better around after the war, second industrial revolution, where there's like all of a sudden people can afford to buy cars and like working class quality of life was almost parallel with uh, like white collar workers. You had like blue collar workers who were in the same neighbourhoods and their kids were going to the same schools. Uh, And that was enabled by this like advancement in this huge growth in GDP as a result of automation. and That was going really nicely and lots of very centrist politics in the middle of the the 20th century. Then computers came along and it was another thing where all of these people who had pretty comfortable factory jobs are now being displaced again. Uh, And and By then there aren't unions who are there to take care of these workers because they kind of dropped off so much over the course of the, the 20th century. That kind of just leads you to today where you have this disenfranchised working class you have this growth of populism as a backlash to it, yeah uh, it's it's not ideal but the quality of life for average average people uh, and especially like middle class people has has just grown hugely over the course of that time so, so that was
1: the history of automation you you got you're touching on it now coming to the end of of your recap, but like where are we now with automation? What's the situation today
0: in two thousand and eight. Obama went out on a stage in Janesville and spoke to the GM, General Motors factory workers and said that this plant is going to be here for hundred years. Mm-hmm. And then it shut the next year. <laughs> uh, and it's <laughs> now being demolished.
1: He met a hundred Obama years, which equates to about one normal human year.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and you look at that and can you imagine being those fucking workers like how pissed off you'd be at the establishment. Yeah. A, a lot of the reading that I did for this came from a particular uh, researcher, Carl, I can't, I can't recall his name right now. Um, He crunched the numbers on the 2016 election and found that if you just take away the, if, if you just account for the jobs that were lost due to automation between 2008 and 2016 in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, uh, Hillary Clinton would have won that election. But that wasn't just automation oh. though, was
2: it? That was globalization as well.
0: No, no. If, even if you correct oh, for globalization wow. and all the other factors, if you just account for the workers who were displaced as a result of robotics in factories, that again, these things are being enabled by improved machine learning, machine vision, um, like that's the amount of power that this is having on like contemporary politics. The idea that that displacing these jobs, I, I, yeah, obviously a lot of the overlap between automation due to machine learning and globalization kind of overlaps. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's just a scary thought that that's the the level that we're at. Uh, so look, is it a bad thing, machine learning? In the short term, there there is every opportunity that 20, 30 years from now, things will be absolutely incredible for a lot of people who are being disenfranchised now, um, if you want to be optimistic about it. But it seems like we're going into a time where all of the jobs are just going to keep concentrating in the high skill sector. And- the machine learning just keeps eating its way up the chain from low skill to middle skill workers
2: jamie bartlett um, talked about this on in our interview with him people versus tech actually
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah that's the thing it's just like so many jobs that like if you look at the the jobs that were changed so you ha- you have replacing and augmenting technology you have replacing tech that puts people out of work and you have augmenting technology that changes how people work so like mm. richie you're a graphic designer you use photoshop now Mm-hmm. Um, before that you would have been doing a lot of that stuff traditionally this means that you can do work a lot faster you can be more productive you can make changes easier Yeah, uh, it hasn't hurted, hurt your livelihood it's just you know yeah and the same like you know if you're an architect you have AutoCAD now it makes your job easier yeah. so then in um, the
2: future a doctor will be using an AI to diagnose someone's illness but they will still be the doctor and delivering the yeah. delivering the results yeah. the they, they can
1: still there is a there is a tilting point though where it like just to use the the, my own personal example the, like Photoshop but you get more uh, efficient at what you're doing because the tools you get are better but there also comes a point where I would be made redundant because there are so many AI solutions to design now where things can be done by any old idiot because the yeah. tools are so good
0: um, It's scary Yeah, it It's weird feeling the, the robots coming for you and this is what working class people have been feeling for decades and yeah. it's, it's fucking scary to feel it, like, there, yeah, it there was an
1: illusion that creative snowflakes like myself were safe from machines for, you know, because you think about them in a very kind of binary ones and zeros way and not a a creative, a source of creativity, but they don't need to be a source of creativity. They just need to emulate creativity to a point where it's economically viable. That's it.
0: I mean, yeah, there's there's bots that can compose music that's indistinguishable from like really well-regarded classical music now. Like, yeah, that's, that's absolutely a thing that the creative fields who thought they were immune, Mm -hmm. but no, no, that, COVID has been a really weird thing in this as well. Yeah. We want to talk about that because
1: we'll we'll talk a little bit more about like automation, how governments can mitigate some of those problems in a little while, but we can't neglect what a year of of lockdown has done and how that's changed the workplace and how companies have had to adapt to that change. Have they been turning to machine learning? Yeah, in this time to kind of help bridge the gap, this awkward gap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, like the, the McKinsey Institute did a report in 2018 that, you know, was figuring out how many jobs were susceptible to automation, and annoyingly, a lot of the the lower paying jobs that they thought were safe got fucked over by COVID. Like, if you think of janitor janitors or or uh, like office support workers, they've been massively displaced. But like, if you try to think about what you'd need to have a machine learning robot. Uh, clean an office it's like so many tasks like it's distinguishing what objects are dirty what can you pick up and manipulate what should be clean like it's Mm -hmm. ridiculously complex Mm -hmm. so they were considered extremely low on the list of of um workers who were likely to be automated and then what fucking happens is every office in the fucking country shuts down um, and all those people get displaced anyway, and uh, yeah, it's just like it's a really shitty situation. Well, I mean, yeah. um,
2: that's that's a pause, though. It's it's not necessarily a massive economic yeah. shift that it's going to reverberate, reverberate for decades. We could we all be back to the office next year. We don't know.
0: Yeah, we don't know, but it, it does seem like movement is is trending more towards. Oh, okay, we can use this new tech and our, our new improvements in communication. Right. That we don't need these big office blocks and whatever. Yeah, there's there's. I mean, yeah, we all work from home, I believe, at the moment. Right, got but, it. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like I mean, uh, I've spoken with management of my company, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, we're not really in a rush to move back to offices." And I, I can't imagine we're the only ones. Oh yeah, we're just um, no. Uh, my employer is desperate to get back.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck jerks.
0: Need to be watching over your shoulder or whatever. Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't
2: trust me either. Um, but <laughs> has, has COVID done anything else to affect how AI has changed apart from like the general te- te- telephonic working that we've all moved to? Is there any other particular? weird thing that COVID has touched on with AI or machine learning? No, no, I don't know is an acceptable answer.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, there's like machine learning and then there's automation in general. So like a lot of interpersonal things that were considered very safe work, all of a sudden when people can't be within two meters of each other, that doesn't work anymore. And and you have to come up with other solutions for getting around that. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have things like call centers that are being automated now that everybody is doing tons of e-commerce and working remotely. You have a big influx for for communicating over the phone and the more of that work can be offset to machines, the better. You have things like the the bot that Google showed off a couple of years ago that could like make your restaurant reservations mm. for you and shit like that. Like that technology, there's, there's so many people who like you have the transport industry and the customer service industry. And if both of those get thoroughly automated, it's just like huge cascading fuck ups for, for um, the economy of work. So
2: what let's say we don't want to move into another 19th century capitalist dystopia. What can we do now as political people as, you know, what are they called? The guys who make decisions, Richie, come on. Politizer.
0: Those guys. What can, what can they do
2: to say, to save uh, my fucking job?
0: Yeah. Do you, actually, yeah. Do you, do you- uh, I know, Richie, you touched on it. Steve, do you mm. feel like your job is at risk of automation? Uh, no, talking vaguely around my job because I'm not legally permitted to talk
2: about it. Oh, um, okay. That's I am actually in a job. It's hard to kill people with a profile. <laughs> <I, robot. laughs> my job essentially is managing the robots to a large extent. So okay. automation is mentioned an awful lot, but I'm pretty sure my department is being set up as a department to manage what's left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got you. Okay, so you're the shepherd of yeah. this this herd of robots. Um,
1: yeah, but what so after yeah. that gets automated? Like, we've already talked about bots talking to bots and stuff. Like, I don't think, like, there was a period in my time when I thought I was, my industry was completely safe. And I don't think in the next five years I'm going to be, you know, on the breadline or anything. But I think it, it's, the, the, you know, it's so hard to tell. I don't want to
2: say in rosy, but there will always be when you're talking about the manipulation, when you're, when you're talking about robots have being the supervising each other and doing the finer thing, there will always be a point that the person who owns the shit will want a human to look and go, okay, tick. Yeah, okay, will tick. that be you though, or will that just be one person? That, yeah, well, in yeah, California. A, like I, I will end up herding the jobs of what used to be done by two hundred people.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It like, could be done by it could be th- done by
2: Jer when he's in his mansion in Scotland on his fucking talking AI money. I don't know,
0: but yeah, sure. But yeah, this is the thing, like there are proposed solutions that are more practical than can others. Can we have some fucking UBI? There, there ones that are like- Give me some free money, Jer. Yeah. That's, you know, that that's some valid shit. Because yeah, there's people who are like, oh, we'll just increase steel tariffs and that will improve the amount of work that is being done in the US. But like, I think that I saw at one point there was a, a factory in Norway that can produce half a million tons of steel wire a year and it has 14 employees. It's not even automated. Those guys yeah. are just really strong. Yeah. <laughs> fucking huge. Uh, but like, yeah, they were saying like, oh, most days it's just three people in the office with iPads, just watching the machines, making sure it's <laughs> They're there. just playing Angry yeah. Birds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like no amount of policy in the world is going to bring those jobs back, essentially. But, okay. But
1: cool. then we we don't try and like, you know, re-engineer a history and transplant it onto a modern context. It doesn't make sense. Can we then treat... Those robots like they were people and like tax those companies as if they were people, but you know, maybe more so because they're X amount more efficient and and create X amount more economic output for that company. Can yeah, we tax absolutely. them based on that output?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Robot tax is a thing that a lot of people are talking about. Like Bill Gates is a massive opponent of this at this point. It gets, yeah, there's a lot of technicalities about how you want to approach it. Because like if I come up with a Google spreadsheet that automates away the job of Kevin who sits next to me because he's a fucking slacker I hate that guy yeah fuck Kevin for real uh, did I make a robot that replaces him does it have to be a big mechanical arm or whatever like if if you write a little piece of software whether you use machine learning or not and it, it kicks someone out of a job you can call it Kev out
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we need to have a jingle that goes joke of the episode oh <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there are definite ways of doing this in, in terms of like every employment that you displace, you have to continue to pay their you know whatever the equivalent of their income tax would have been for x number of Ooh, years that's a clever one or whatever mm. yeah, there's also just like increasing VAT on goods that are produced using automation. One of the main effects of this is going to be wealth accumulating with the people who own the robots own own the automation Shocker. uh yeah. And, and yeah, anything they can do to take that money from them and give it down to the people who actually fucking need it is huge. So whether that's taxing the robots themselves and having them pay like a, a an actual like annual amount of fucking salary for each robot that you have, in that's a really factory funny. Or like or, the robots are like oh fucking yeah.
2: taxes, <laughs> <laughs> no, robot union,
0: let's go. But yeah, it, in terms of that, once you have that extra income, then there's a case of what what do you do with it to try and offset some of this problem? Education being the big catch-all thing, the idea that the more people that you can get up into these these middle and high skill jobs that are safe for the time being, the better. I
2: was going to put my hand up and say, I'm afraid that one is generally bullshit. Because if you're a 50 year old man who's just been made unemployed in a factory in Minnesota, learning how to code and going to fix your problems. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like none of these things that I'm I'm about to list here are a catch all solution. They all stack on top okay. of each other to hmm. perform a better solution. So yeah, education, just making sure that people are being skilled from a young age to be able to better fit this new workforce that we have. So, yeah, that, that's a big thing. And like you end up with the situation where you have automation that displaces low skilled workers. Then these people can't give their kids good education. So then the kids have terrible employment prospects growing up and it just like traps people. Uh, so anything that can help to break that. Yeah, you have like retraining programs and like tax write-offs for self-education and stuff like that, which again can help help people who are a little bit younger who have been displaced. There's things like wage insurance. There's a, a policy in some places of the US, trade adjustment insurance, the idea that if you're 50 years old and you earn less than 50k and you lose your job, if you can get any other job in the next half a year, they will cover the difference in salary. So the idea that yeah, oh yeah, I had a pretty good factory job and I lost it, but now if I do any work at all, I get more or less the same amount of money that I Who used to. Who pays that? Right. I don't know. It's called it's called the trade adjustment assistance. Act. It's from, um, it's state. It's whatever state that is. Yeah. After that, then you get tax credits. You have UBI. You have all of these things that are just about wealth redistribution, um, just anything that can again like improve that intergenerational intergeneration financial mobility stuff, and and have it so that people aren't getting trapped in this fucking endless loop of. I can't afford to send my kids to school, so they can't afford to send their kids to school, bloody blah. So, Jer,
1: it feels like we've hit on a lot of the kind of like the sadder points of of automation and what, you know, basically damage control is what we've been talking about. Like, how can we try and, you know, soften this inevitable blow that's coming to a point where we don't devastate (laughs) lots of lives. But there's also another side to this, like a fork in the road where on the one side we have a future where everyone's living on, you know, Government's pittance to just exist while, you know, the, the few people who control these technologies make all the money. But there's also an, an alternative future where automation makes our economy so productive and where the technology basically breathes a kind of science fiction type utopia um, where everyone's lives are way, way better. Could we maybe explore the happier version for a little while? <laughs> like, what the, is that? Just a pipe dream? Is that just like science fiction? Hoo ha! Or yeah, is, the, is I, I guess natural... like
0: a, a lot of the suggestions that I was going through there about like ways that you can help to, to redistribute this wealth and make it so that that these people aren't going through such a shit time as a result of this automation. Um, that's a lot of that is just fixing this short term window where these new jobs. Haven't been created yet, or like you know, there's there's a gap in the market for where there's no new work that, that's um, that's ready to fill it. Yeah, in in terms of optimistic stuff for the future, uh, I saw a, a proposal that was floating around yesterday suggesting that if you just account for the in improvements of machine learning, that by 2030 there'll be an extra uh, fifteen thousand dollars worth of of income that could be distributed to each person on top of whatever else they have. Let's kind of get into universal basic income stuff. But yeah, like, there's just so many unknowns in terms of how of the optimistic side of this. Like Every time that a bunch of technology has come out that is scary and is replacing jobs, a few years later, things have started to pick up. And then several years later, you look back at it and you almost can't, people just disregard the negative yeah. side of it because there's been such huge investment. Like, look at, look at our own lives, like we're fucking- Three dudes sitting here, like, recording podcasts. Um, yeah. We have enough leisure time to be able to, like, relax on our weekends. Jerry, like our that. grandfather does, does... set up
2: this podcast. We've established that long ago. This is, <laughs> this is a long-standing <laughs> 100-year-old family tradition. They yeah, yeah. had to establish the pod union <laughs> and fight for their right. Um, good feeling. Good Good feeling, Jerry. Utopia or dystopia? Is it just going to be some cyber-communist?
0: woo Is that what's going to happen here? Um. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to predict in, in a, uh, okay. If we, if we just imagine that like a hundred years from now, there is no need for people to do work. Oh, is that a good thing or not? Is it? Cause I, I, there's a whole bunch of, of research about how work gives people purpose and Mm. stuff like that. And like, regardless of income. I can write books that nobody reads. It'd be great. I'll read them. Thanks. I'll pretend to read them. Thanks. GPT-3 will read them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I I don't know I, I like there's I I keep talking about the expanse because I've been reading these books quite a bit for the past half a year cuz I'm a slow reader but in that there's a you know earth bec- is this large lethargic bloated society where most people just exist on the bare like it's a thing called basic it's not even basic income it's just ba- your basic needs are met and then that's it and you just mm-hmm. exist um so that and that feels like the like the water kind of settling you know what I mean like the water finding its level like this is just the bare minimum easiest thing to do in this society and I think in order to get to a very positive version it's going to take a Herculean effort and a lot of difficult decisions and a lot of um abstract thinking and political will that I haven't seen political courage yeah political courage yeah I, I to, to push something to push very very progressive because this stuff is happening now, right? This stuff is happening as we like. We are living in it right now. But like the the um, you look at like the 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 U.S. Congress and Senate and like the type of people the people who are aware of these things as issues and disc- Like the only person I know who talks about is uh, this uh, about automation is AOC and Yang and, and her yeah Yang, and Yang yeah. and like they're kind that, of yeah. their posse basically. But most old white dudes in in politics aren't going to know more anymore than just their soundbitey stuff. I remember the
2: second industrial revolution. (laughs) I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would, I would mostly be on your side, Richie, but I would be slightly hopeful. And I think the problem is, is that you can get too wrapped up in watching America and all this. Yeah. This is something that I've Mm -hmm. had to teach myself quite a lot the last year. Um, America ain't the world. And there are quite a few examples of things getting a bit better, maybe in Europe, which I believe we're in, and parts (laughs) like that. And
0: yeah,
2: it probably won't be dystopia, it probably won't be be utopia, it'll be a fudged middle ground, like most of our history. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it'll be grand for for most people you do see like some of the baby steps of this you've got like France with their anti-Amazon law where it's illegal to have free shipping on books and things like that which is Soccer just like mood. oh right there's, there's some people who are like fuck the man let's let's try to treat this like human beings well in this case it's the man saying fuck the other man <laughs> yeah <sure. laughs> fuck that big bald man with all the money
1: just to finish up Jer, do you have any like final thoughts on just to say someone who's maybe nervous about machine learning or, you know, scared about a potential future or more apprehensive of this kind of stuff in general, as someone who like lives and breathes and works in this industry.
0: Yeah. A lot of the things that you, yeah, you hear about in conversations like this are, are the scary stuff, but there is just some like genuinely beautiful, incredible work that's being done. Like this stuff will be harnessed for tackling climate change. It, like there's so many things that this stuff can be used to, to so many different ways that this stuff can be used to just improve the quality of life. Mm. Um, but in terms of just like fun, cool shit, like go on YouTube and look up um, Two Minute Papers, which is this guy who just like shows off all the cool new uh, tech demos that are coming out of machine learning. And it's just like, it's so fucking impressive. It's like, it, you are just looking at it, you're like, this is like the closest shit I've seen to magic. And it mm-hmm. like, there's a new one every week. And it's it's so rapidly improving that like, I you, I don't think you can... As this technology is is becoming cheaper to do and it's spreading out, you're, it's going to get into the hands of the people who have goodwill, and yeah. they're going to use it for be- to beautiful ends. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm confident that whatever happens in global socio-economic things, people are going to make some wonderful stuff with this.
1: So it's a it's a net positive in your mind.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. so I can go to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> So we've
1: actually just made a decision because there's so much dense material in 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 this episode that we're going to do a little extra bonus episode where we're going to talk about are computers racist? Are they?
0: Spoilers. They're
1: anti-monarchist.
0: Woohoo!
1: Ooh. <laughs> and racist, uh, but well, yeah, that will be open head stuff over at HeadStuff um, HeadStuff Plus. So it will be more on that later.
2: Check but the sure. Do, do I get
1: a do I get a cut of the profit? No. Do you want to talk about that, Jer? No. (laughs) They're fucking (laughs) automating me away. This is trash. But thank you for ending on a hopeful note. We always appreciate that, Jer.
0: That's okay. Uh, You kind of bullied me into it, so. A little bit,
1: yeah. You're a very, (laughs) very pessimistic person. But not only thank you for that, but thank you for all of your contributions over the years, Jer. We Uh, didn't mention it. Jer is the the tertiary voice of this show. Anytime we do a little sketch or a jingle, if you listen to our live episode uh, that we did for Dublin Podcast Festival, he made our refreshers jingle. several of them so he's always been around <laughs> That's okay listen uh,
0: anything that can help me feel successful by proxy I will do that sounds amazing. great um, successful so I'm that, joining Jer- you in on the blame for this
1: shit <laughs> uh, at what on, politics on Instagram and on Twitter whatonpolitics at gmail.com Jer do you you're not particularly active on no, socials no, but, but don't fucking follow me it'll make me uncomfortable
3: <laughs> I don't like to be watched
1: look if you want to pass along a message to Jared, just just t- tell us and we'll, we'll make sure it gets to him that's how most of his correspondence is handled. Absolutely. So we've automated it in that regard. Right,
2: Jerry, your gas bill is in, by the way. I'll send it on to you later. Thanks, man. Okay, guys, uh, come and see us on Headstuff Plus. Or just, you know, yeah, we're gonna, or talk to us next we're time. We're going
1: to go talk about that stuff. Uh, do, you, do you guys want to just, before we end, the, the rejected cold open stuff I typed out? <laughs> yeah, fuck me up. Let's go.
3: Teddy Roosevelt was a documented fart sniffer. Which is to say, he liked to sniff farts.
2: So you can see why that got cut. Yeah, that's pretty good, though. (laughs) Lies. And if he did, he was the Uh, best goddamn fart sniffer there ever was.
3: Boris Johnson is a documented fart sniffer. That's fine. Which is to say, he likes to sniff farts.
0: I approve. And again, you see why... Those two should hang out together. They might be able to have a good time. They would have got on. They definitely would have got on.
3: Michael D. Higgins is a lovely
0: man here's the weird thing machine learning models can never lie <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: they can it's in the bias thing we'll get to uh, yeah, that yeah we'll
3: get to that
1: now alright thanks guys bye this show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.
0: This is What Would You Do If? The podcast answers all of your What Would You Do If? questions.
3: It's Callum and Jess here and every week
1: we look at how we'd handle different situations before finding out what you should do if you're in them. So far we've looked at
0: What would you do if you saw someone stealing? A bear attacked you. The baby started choking. You were stuck in a lift. You can
3: hear those episodes and loads more on headstuffpodcast.com with a new one every Monday.